All right, I'm sitting down with the voice of the Inland Empire 66ers. He's also the voice of UC Santa Barbara. And from what I've been told, a tremendous gaucho. Steve Went joins us. Um, so we're both, I don't want to say we're unemployed. We're kind of waiting waiting to hear, basically. It's kind of sit and wait. We can't call baseball, so we thought we'd talk a little baseball in terms of baseball movies. And I was going back and forth with you on Twitter and uh, we came on the Bad News Bears, and you yeah. said to me, or you tweeted to me, hey, man, this is the perfect movie. Go yeah. into a little bit why, why you feel that way, because it's one of my favorite movies, too, as a child. Yeah, well, I think as a child I loved it, because let's be honest, it's little kids swearing and stuff, but like, <laughs> uh, it is, it's the most realistic movie. You know, I, it's so funny. I had a, a friend whose dad was a homicide detective in San Francisco, and, you know, and he was telling me this when CSI was the biggest show going on and stuff like that. And he's like, the most realistic TV show about being a cop is Barney Miller. And I started thinking about it. <laughs> they do just sit around and rag on each other and crazy stuff happens around them. Bad News Bears to me is the most realistic sports movie there is. I mean, you have the, the you know, the kids just want to play it, but they have all these pressures on them or, or no pressures at all. They're, you know, feral kids, a couple of them. And. You have the, the parents that are just overwhelming and the parents who just kind of are off on the side and all these dynamics merging at, you know, 1 p.m. on a Saturday at the local park. And so I just think it's such an awesome – it's just so well done. It could have been done really poorly, and other movies have done it poorly, but they did such a good job with the realism on this one. Um, you have a different insight into this now because you have children, you have two little girls, and yeah. you coached one of them in soccer. You know, and I think one of the, the weird things about the movie is it kind of gives you the different levels of parenting when you're taking kids into sports, you know. And now it's a weird thing. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like the old guys, but when you, you know, when you and I were kids, it was like you, you – they were organized sports, but a lot of it you had to manage yourself. You went and found four or five other kids. You went down to the basketball court or you went and played football in the backyard or whatnot. And now it seems – and I, I don't know. You can speak to this better than I because I talk to my sister a lot. She has two little girls, and she's always driving them to swimming and to soccer and gymnastics and a ballet. Um, and she, I was talking with her yesterday. She said, you know, the funny thing about being staying home is I'm not driving anybody everywhere every five minutes. Uh, give me some insight on that, Steve. Yeah, well – you know, uh, that seems to be what our life is, all the activities uh, shuttling. You know, I mean, the, you hate to be the guy yelling at a cloud and saying back in my day, but we used to go outside and play. And I lived on a street with a bunch of other kids and we figured out sports. Also, we didn't have organized sports. And, and this is the chicken or the egg. Or maybe it's just simply uh, the mother of invention is that we didn't have organized sports until we were a little bit older. And now at ages four and five, they're having more organized sports, you know. Um, and so it's kind of weird. I, I'm trying to go back. My, my little one, until it was just canceled, was playing in Pony League. Uh, and she's six. You know, I didn't play till I was nine in a really organized way, you know. But I played way more baseball than she ever did when I was six, you know. And. And so it, it is kind of a weird balance, but no, there's no doubt. It's the, the, the kind of left your own devices and figure out sports that's gone. And now it's this organized kind of thing. And so I think it makes the parents in the context of bad news bears, it's almost like they've, they've gone even more polar opposites. The, the ones that are just check out or the ones that are on steroids about it. 
it's a window, and I think it's a window in the future. I'll take you to the opening scene, and you've coached the team, so I don't know if it's ever happened to you. But so Buttermaker's sitting there, played wonderfully by Walter Matthau, and he's waiting at the ballpark, and we see the, you know, we see the ambient, you know, the visions of, you know, and, and the ballpark is actually about two, three miles from where I live. It's on off of Sepulveda in West LA. And, you know, the, the sprinklers are going. That's always the sound of spring when you hear the sprinklers going. And the parents are there. And the Yankees are warming up. And Kelly Leak's driving his Harley. And there's Buttermaker in his car reaching into the uh, cooler for a beer and throwing Jim Beam in the beer. Now, I know you've never done that. But have the, the Purple Cheetahs ever get you to the point where you wanted to do that? <laughs> well, see, maybe my wife. She was the head coach. I was the assistant coach. So I, oh, I, I didn't have any of the pressure. She had all the pressure. Uh, no, the the purple cheetahs. It was a matter of uh, keeping the four year, uh, uh, ten four year old girls just from leaving the general vicinity of where we were at. Uh, so we, we didn't have to worry too much about that. Uh, but the the coaching aspect of it for us, you know, we we don't have kids this old. There's no, we haven't dealt with any Kelly leaks yet. Uh, yeah. so well, you're, you're, you're more wrangler. That, that was a great, yeah. that was a great explanation. You're kind yeah. of wrangler to make sure they all stay on the same area yeah. uh, for the night, whatever, 90 minutes, however, I don't know how long soccer and, games and, are. And kick, kick the ball the, the right way towards right, the, right. the other team's goal. So that, that's um, the, my expertise. So who are some of your favorite uh, characters from Bad News Bears? Let's th- throw that out there. Give me your favorite character from Bad News Bears. Who's the best character? Oh, well, okay. So, well, you mentioned Matthew. I mean, he's, he's perfect. He's perfect. Um, Ogilvy is spectacular. He's spectacular in that role. The, the Ogilvy kid who, you know, he, he has it all down, uh, but he just, he's Billy Bean before Billy Bean. <laughs> yeah. And he's, uh, you know, it's hard to really narrow it down. I don't, I, I think that it's an ensemble cast that everything is perfect about it. Um, you know, I, it's so hard to, to narrow it down, but you know, Tanner is Tanner. He's just the, I, I have a friend, a guy who's a pitching coach, Fred Dabney named his kid Tanner because of Tanner Boyle. Uh, but uh, you know, even Toby, Toby Wywood is, is, is perfect. as kind of the little liaison between the adults and, and, uh, and the kids. And I don't know, it's hard for me to answer that question uh, properly, but I just think they're all superb. Uh, they're all so good in this that it, it's really hard to nail it down. So let's, the, the premise of the film basically, so Toby Whitewood, as you mentioned, his dad, played by Ben Piazza, is a councilman, and he gets, he sues the town to get his team into the league, an extra team into the league, and it's basically made up of misfits, so to speak, and he gets Buttermaker, who, in the, it's funny, in the novelization, they, they played high school baseball together, but, you know, Mathau, I think, is in his mid-50s when he does the movie, which is weird, they change a couple things, because in the novelization, they actually say he was 35 and he felt 50. And they talk about, you know, it's set in the mid-70s and he played for Phoenix in 1961. And in the movie, it's 51. They make it, they adjust it, obviously, to, to, to Walter Matthau's age. He is brilliant. I mean, uh, kind of that next step to his Oscar Madison character from the from the uh, odd couple, I'm guessing. Um, and so he's got this team, you know, Toby Whitewood, you mentioned his son and a bunch of his friends. And they're going to go out, and and he's paying Buttermaker to coach this team. So, cleaning pools is a way for him to make extra money. And then even Toby says, "Oh, I didn't know you played baseball. I thought you just cleaned pools, you know." Yeah, and then yeah. the opening scene where we meet the team, that is just hysterical. And it's not, you know, as you mentioned, 
you know, having played little league baseball not too long after that era, that's the kind of day. They're the teams like the Yankees. It's almost like, you know, the Roy Turner's Yankees that are, they're almost like a, it's like an army regiment. And then they're teams with a bunch of guys, a bunch of kids just trying to figure out who they are. And that's who the bears are. Yeah. And, and I was on one of the, uh, the Yankees types teams when I was in little league, I was on the Cardinals and we had practice uniforms and, you know, we had a, a coach that was so over the top. It, it, it was just bananas. And so, you know, another, everyone hated us and stuff like that. And now <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Wow. I can't, really, I can't really see you as a villain, Steve. I never saw you as a villain, but that's great. Well, I think, you know what? I think that's very instructive. Uh, you know, the next year I was started umpiring and, and I called some lady's kid out and she's like, Oh, I was on the Cardinals. She's like, once a Cardinal, always a Cardinal. And I'm like, what are you talking about lady? So <laughs> is that kind of that bananas thing that you've like, lumped these 12 year old kids into into and, and Vic when you talk about great characters like I think about Caddyshack but the the crime of it is that people don't realize that Ted Knight is actually the, the star of that movie right. Vic Morrow is so good in this as yeah. the dad who thinks he's doing the right things and teaching him the right stuff that he doesn't understand he's just being a complete jackass yeah it's yeah. played by the late Vic Morrow uh who is the father of Jennifer Jason Lee that had a great career as well. And that was, you know, one of his high points. And I wonder about, see, you know, I wonder, there's not a lot written. There's not a lot written about after the movies. There's not a lot written about how that movie got made. And I'm wondering how a guy like Vic Morrow, who was like a legitimate actor at that point, you know, had legitimate credits, how he felt about being in a baseball movie with kids, you know, which which I found interesting. But I think it goes back to our point that it's, it's so good. It's so well written. It's so perfect about the human condition that the the little league is just kind of the, that's the setting. But it's so right. you know what Burt Lancaster's son wrote the movie, which I always yes. found uh, I I don't know maybe a glimpse into Burt Lancaster's. Yeah. Well, who's a who's a big sports fan? Burt Lancaster's yeah. a big sports fan. Yeah, right. Uh, but you know it's I think that it's not some prepackaged uh, kid movie. You know what I mean? And so there was an authenticity to it that I'm sure a, a good actor would be drawn to. Yeah. All respect to Emilio Estevez and Gordon Bombay. This is not the Mighty Ducks. You know, this is, I mean, this is a little bit more raw. It's a little kind of a, it was, I don't know it was 15 years before Goodfellas, but Goodfellas feel to, to, to what Little League and, and what kids youth sports is all about. Um, one of the things that I found really funny, Steve, was the whole idea of sponsorship. So you grew up playing Little League, and we all had sponsors. And I remember my my teams that I grew up playing on, the PBA, my first team I ever played on was sponsored by the local PBA. And uh-huh. then we had a local florist who sponsored the next team. And then our Pony League team was sponsored by – uh, the place where you went to get your propane tanks for anchor rental. It was like a, you know, one of those yeah. catch all company you know, companies. So the, all the small, you know, there's a lot of talk about small business right now. And that is the big, that's, you know, yeah. that's what keeps little league alive. Um, so I'll let you get more into it about, so the Yankees are sponsored by Denny's. Yes. And the bears, the bears have Denny's, an unusual sponsor. Denny's is given a credit by the way, in the post, in the, in the uh, credits, post credits for, uh, for their uh, taking part in the movie, I noticed. Uh, but Chico's bail bond did not get the same. Uh, it's just spectacular. I mean, I love the scene. He's going from, from you know, sporting uh, common sense. I'll go to a sporting goods shop and they're like, well, we sponsor eight teams already, you know. And so he comes up with Chico's bail bonds. Uh, and as a kid, 
I I always I didn't really understand what bail bonds were at the time, but I knew right, like a, right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right. But but I was on uh, you know we were the Yankees, but we weren't Denny's. We we had we were Buck's Saw Service, and I grew up in Novato, California, and right on Grant Avenue, you know, the tree lined little main street, there was a a shop that sold like saw blades and would fix your lawnmower and stuff like that. So that was we were Buck Saw Service and a little patch on the shoulder. So. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always had a special uh, place in my heart for the random sponsorship in Little League. I'm glad you brought up uh, Chico's Bail Bonds. What I love about that is today, if that movie's made today, yeah. they'd make a big deal out of it. They'd yeah. get a Will Ferrell cameo. He'd be Chico, and they'd do some bid on it. No, it was just, here are the uniforms, kids. Cut to opening day, Chico's Bail Bonds. And yeah. it's just a little subtle joke they throw in there. Which is great, you know, and a little kid yeah. like me when I first, I was probably nine or ten when I first watched the movie, and I'm at, you know, what what's a bail? I had no clue what bail bonds were. Right. Um, well, one thing. Get this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, one thing you, you mentioned a little bit earlier in terms of like, you know, hey, little kids swearing, right? And when you're nine or ten years old, that's really cool. That's what you want to go see it. Um, the there's some language used in that that probably wouldn't go over today. When you look back, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on it. I look back at it, and I laughed when I was a kid for a different reason. Yes. And I laugh as an adult for a different reason as well. Yeah. I don't know how, how you feel about that. There's there's a little there's a lot of coarse language going back and forth. It start Engelberg I think is the first one in the first scene. Engelberg shows up, and he's kind of the he's the clubhouse lawyer already with Buttermaker. Yeah, when when the when he chucks the ball and breaks Buttermaker's windshield, you mean and. And he says, I think someone's father's going to fix this. And he drops the, the, the bullshit line on him. Well, yeah. like to me, that was like, kind of authentic, um, you know, and then and I also totally agree with you. There, there's stuff that would never fly. But this is you and I have talked, uh, you know, out, outside the interview, how we love Ogilvy. You know, Tanner comes out with just straight up racism, misogyny, you know, anti-Semitism. And immediately there's that character to stand up to it. It's it doesn't it doesn't fly by. It doesn't slide. And so yeah. Like, yeah. there's a protagonist in that. Like and so it's weird. It's you know those are terrible things that are being said. But it's also a kid who doesn't know his ass from his elbow. But there's a kid who does to stand up and say that's wrong. Yeah. And I love yeah. that. About yeah. Yeah, you brought up Ogilvy. So Alfred Lutter III is the actor that played Ogilvy. He had a pretty good career. He worked with Martin Scorsese. He just worked with Scorsese and Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. This The role that eventually in the TV series that Tommy McKeon played just passed away, bringing it all together. But uh, you know, he ultimately went to Stanford. So he was there was a little bit of Ogilvy in him. And oh, he's, sure. he was he was on the cusp of the whole IT thing, and he was the technical CTO for a bunch of big companies up in the Silicon Valley before it was really Silicon Valley really was a thing, which is interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the line is, hey, something to the effect of, hey, Tanner. There's more of us than you, basically. You're saying all this stuff, but as somebody who's not one of those things, just understand yeah. there's more of us here than there are. And so, yeah, I, you know, and that was something that I'd forgotten about until I just last yeah. watched the movie a couple days ago. Well, and it also shows, I think it immediately shows that Ogilvy has courage and that even the kid who will stand up for what's right is still, when he's in the batter's box, he's scared. There's something yeah. about, you know, baseball's scary when you're a kid. Even if you're the best player, there's still that doubt, you know, and I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't want to put their kids in it. 
um because the the failure and and but it's a really i don't think it's an accident that they they have ogilvy be this kid with backbone and courage and even though he's kind of nerdy all the kids kind of respect him and stuff and i think for that very reason it's awesome um so one of the big tenants in the movie is it's it's there's a duality aspect to it so brandon cruz plays joey turner who's roy turner's son and I guess all the kids are kind of surrogate sons to 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 Buttermaker, played by Walter Matthau. But the one relationship he has with the kid is with uh, Tatum O'Neill's character, Amanda, who now joins the team now. So the first game they have to forfeit to the Yankees and because they can't finish the first inning. It's 20-something to nothing. And uh, so they forfeit the game. And the second game, they actually finish the whole game, but they end up losing something like 20-1 to or 18-1 to or something like that. So now he's got to figure something out. Um, well... I guess the first part we should talk about is after the Yankees game, he goes to Whitewood and they, he tells them they're quitting. So this is the first yeah. crack we see in Walter Matthau. Because he's, he's at this well, point, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a merc- he goes from being a mercenary to kind of figuring out who he is in yeah. that one scene when Whitewood tells him, hey, we're going we're gonna to call this thing off. Yeah, well, and also I think he played baseball. They, they, they make you know, a big deal about it. He wasn't a big leaguer, but – you know, he played pro ball and stuff like that. And like, struck out still, Ted Williams. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, no, the bottom of the night, uh, but <laughs> you see that he, he's competitive and that he, and it's, but it's not just about that. He doesn't want these kids to become quitters. I think he even says it's a hard habit to break. Like, so you do, you see the humanity of him and it's, and they do a great job with that story arc where he's, they chisel that out of him and then he regains it, you know, but that you're right. That's the first little kind of roadblock. Yeah. Well, and that's what I like about it is that's all math out. Math out gives us that whole thing. If they made that movie now, there'd be again, another funny sequence where he has some big soliloquy. And I I just love the subtlety of it where you just see Walter. He's such a good actor in terms of conveying this, that all of a sudden he flips. He's like, okay, shit. You know, I, and I think part of it is he doesn't like Roy Turner, but part of it also is we know he doesn't like Turner in the game. And then now his friend, you know, Councilman Whitewood, who's his friend kind of turns on him a little bit. And now he's like, wait a minute. Now this has got to be about me, which I think is, is important in that as much as it is about the kids, it's about, it's about kind of Buttermaker's arc, you know, you're talking about earlier, kind of where he sees himself. And that's a lot of what this movie is about. He didn't spend a whole lot of time. There is one time where he talks about it, and we'll get to that, obviously. But um, we kind of see that for all his flaws and all his little defects, that this is a genuine guy with good intentions, although maybe his methods aren't always the best, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's human. You know, I mean, we, yeah. we all have our faults and our foibles, but, you know, you talk about, I, you know, I don't know how much of him and Whitewood are friends. You know, I think he cleans the pool. And, you know, I think yeah, he sees yeah. more of himself in those kids than he does the other adults. Right, um, right, right, right. And then, then you start seeing the progression of where he starts acting more like the other adults. But even, you know, but even, you know, the intentions, you know, Whitewood talks about it. He's 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 worried because kids get hurt. You know, he's so, you know, he has good intentions, too. And he also but then he screws up, too. Well, what I love about so that the contrast between Whitewood and Turner and and Matthau, it's that, you know, it's that what somebody had a hashtag fake is the new real. Right. 
So right. those two, Turner and Whitewood, have these facades they need to maintain, you know. Yeah. And Buttermaker, I mean, there is no facade. He's a guy that he's an ex-ball player, broken down ball player that cleans pools. So there's right. nothing for him, you know. There's nothing for him to 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 to. Uh, uh, there's no image for him to uplift, you know. He's just got to get through the day, you yeah. know. Um, a, a poignant scene comes when they actually decide, okay, we're going to keep the team together, and he's throwing them BP. And he's, you see all the beer cans on. And again, this would never happen today. You see all the beer cans on the pitchers, and then he collapses. Yeah. And then we see he's passed out. And the kids, the team, they're now passing judgment on Buttermaker. It's the day yeah. before opening day. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. I had a coach who it wasn't that dramatic, but I was like, dear God, like, are they drinking before – we played little league. Like, this is crazy. You know, even at age 11, I'm like, you know, what's going on here? So, uh, yeah, there's definitely that. I, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, the, the Buttermaker character is great. I mean, it's first off, there's about 30 instances in that movie where you just be arrested now, <laughs> you know, I mean, like the drinking and the, I mean, you just go to jail. You know, I mean, I don't want to, bury the lead here, but you know, Turner <laughs> physically assaults his kid during a game in front of everyone. And, and I'm sitting there as a baseball nerd going, that's a second visit. He's got to lift him. <laughs> so, so, yeah. But, uh, but low yeah, and outside, Steve, low yeah, and outside. You could have killed that kid. Um, but yeah, like the kids aren't stupid. I mean, kids see it, you know, it, it's kids aren't, oblivious to the fact that there's drunks out there and they, I mean, they may not understand the reasons why they they jump to the, the only thing we do, we judge. And so, yeah, I get it. Like to me, again, it's that authentic moment where he's just being, he's, he is who he is. He's an alcoholic and the kids just call it like they see it. Um, so obviously Amanda is a big part of the, 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 the movie and the big part of the team's success. Uh, and, not being from Southern California, I remember it was weird to watch that. So she's selling star maps, and if you watch it now, you can see she's on Sunset Boulevard. And yeah. if you ever drive, that's that's where they all were. Um, I don't even know if anybody even sells star maps anymore because everything's online now. Uh, so he, he encounters a man. We learn they have a history, and that's a big part. Now that's a big part of the movie that as a kid I didn't really process at all until I was more of an adult. Now he's dated Amanda's mom. And that's how he knows Amanda. And while he was dating Amanda's mom, he taught her how to pitch, and she's pretty good. And now he wants to get her to pitch for the Bears, and that—that's—that's that's the hard sell right now coming up for Buttermaker. Oh, big time! Yeah, I mean, what? She's she's got a lucrative business. Uh, the whole state of Nebraska, I think, went by, and the, one of them wanted to <laughs> wallpaper, wallpaper their bathroom, right? So she's doing pretty well. But obviously, I mean, it, you know, they do a good job of that with the, you know, she's looking for the father figure, he's looking for a pitcher, and 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 it. But they're dynamic stays the same. He's keeping her at arm's length and, you know, the same dynamic she probably had with his, with his mom, you know, that it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I need you for certain stuff and not for others. Well, that, and that's the parental, right? and that's the parental relationship is that it starts off, it's a parental relationship, which is broken, right? Cause he doesn't really know how to be a parent and he's just, you know, again, yeah, he's like, Hey, this, she's pretty good. Let's get her in. Let's, let's help the team. And as the team progresses, they realize it's more than just, uh, you know, a ca- kind of a casual relationship. And I, I liked, 
again, today, if that movie's made today, the mom, they have to cast somebody. The mom is the main character. They cast like Elizabeth Banks as the mom and they bring her in. But I like the fact that he's, we have to learn about his relationship with Amanda's mom through their interaction and how you're right. He's kind of at arm's length. I mean, sometimes he's kind of overstepping a little bit. Like when he takes her to the arcade to play, you know, we'll bring Kelly Leak in later. It takes her to the arcade to try to get Kelly Leak on the team. Um, so you see the relationship exists. It's close at times, but it's not close at times. Right. And I, that, that was really something, as I said, until I was older and watched the movie a second time, I didn't really get. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I, I think you, you watch this movie through the prism of where you're at now in your life. But the, uh, the gene, you know, the, the, you're right, though. You know, I'll, I'll get you ballet lessons and jeans, but not races. That's big time money, you know? Right, that's big money, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and I, my generation, Little League is like they were, they were girls. I, and I'm wondering how much of that was inspired by the Bad News Bears. There were always a couple of girls playing. I mean, we had, we had softball in our, in our, in our town, but there was always, you know, a handful, five or six girls that wanted to play baseball, and they all put play on baseball teams. And it was, I don't know if it was no big deal because we'd seen the Bad News Bears or if the parents had seen the Bad News Bears, but it wasn't, you know, all that big a deal at that point. Yeah, my town only, you know, in my few years that I played um I can only think of one girl and and she was so much better than everyone else her name was Allie Viola and she ended up playing softball at Nebraska I think um she was awesome and like so she had to be that much better to play you know what I mean where I grew up like so I you know uh she was like Amanda Orlitzer she was just that much better than everyone so okay well then fine we'll let you play with the boys yeah. Well, and this is remember this is pre-Title Nine movie. I think yeah. Title Nine didn't come in until '78 or '79. This movie was made in '75, released in '76, and so I don't know. I wonder. You know, we, you and I both cover women's basketball, and when we cover women's basketball, I remember how many. You know, you'd read the little bio, and the 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 women who would play their favorite movie was Love and Basketball. You know, because yeah. that was the movie that was out at that time. I think it came out in '99 or 2000. To Great movie. Yeah, yeah. To this yeah. day, it is because they haven't made but, a new movie for women basketball players. But, I mean, I think that was kind of the, the precursor, you know, Amanda Wurlitzer dominating the North Valley League, I'm sure inspired a lot of little girls, whether it was baseball or softball, to kind of get into athletics. And I, I guess today that's a selling point, right? Okay, it's this movie about a boys team. We need to have a girl on there so girls will come see the movie. That wasn't the thought in 1975, but I think that was the result that ended up happening. Yeah, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I, I know Tatum O'Neill was – at the start of her childhood stardom. So it might've just been, how are we going to shoehorn a, a growing star into a movie? I don't know, right, but, true, but, true, she was, true. but she was great. And she, well, and she looked the part. I mean, I do when I, when I was like, as a teenager, just as many, you know, girls were fans of the movie as guys were fans of the movie. So I wonder why that, you know, why that was, um, uh, Kelly leak, you know, and I'll tell, I'll tell you what, Jackie Earl Haley, who had a pretty good career, actually, uh, even though he kind of fell off a little bit. Um, the scene where they introduce Kelly Leak has got to be one of the best scenes ever in a sports movie where we, we've met him. We, we know kind of who he is. We don't know who he is. He's, we saw him on opening day. He's on the motorcycle, and Roy Turner doesn't like him. Cleveland no. doesn't like him. But we're not oh, quite no. sure. You know, He's the guy in the rated R movie, Steve. We're not quite sure right. we like him yet. Right. It's not a rated R movie. He does, the, he does the Steve McQueen in The Great Escape where he, yeah. he gets the fence <laughs> with the guys. Like, yeah. like that couldn't have been an accident. So it's a, it's a 
It's a fungo. I mean, Butterfucker's pretty good at hitting fungos. Hits it out of the park, and he throws it back. And then the stories come out about yeah. Kelly Leak. You know, uh, Ahmad tells his story. Ahmad Abdul-Rahim yeah. about being a lone shark. And then my favorite line of the movie probably is uh, Jose Aguilar, es un bandido, you know, yeah. in reference to Kelly Leak. Es un bandido, uh, yeah. Es un bandito. And, and, and then Tanner goes, oh, I like the guy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the man wants to on the team. That, that, that's the real turn. So as far as the team goes, okay, they got a pitcher. They can't score any runs. So I guess we see the game before they lose. I think they lose one to nothing yeah. when Lupus pulls the fly ball in the outfield. Yeah. And so yeah. now they need a hitter. And, you know, and what's interesting is, and I'm looking at it back now, there's no, you know, oh, can you sign him up? This, that, the other. He's a local kid. He's in this universe. So any kid in that universe can now play for the Bears. Whereas, you know, today, that's the other thing about parents today. If something like that happened, every parent would be up in arms about that yeah. kid playing on Bears. But thank God, you know, the story works out that way. Yeah, he just joins up. Like, it's a big pickup game. I love it. Uh, I also love it when you talk about uh, the Esun Bandito line. In the years, ensuing years, you find out that the two brothers uh, didn't speak Spanish. Yeah, the actors, yeah, who played it. <laughs> they, they, they didn't speak Spanish. There they are. <laughs> so <laughs> Kelly Leak's on the Bears now, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was real interesting because it was uh, – he's the cool kid, obviously. and But you get the idea that these kids have formed kind of a team together despite the, the rant from Tanner early. They've kind of become a team, and now they're bringing in this kind of – third-party guy who's got to not only you know he can play but can he fit in with fit in with this group yeah but i mean i think it's really obvious i mean he's always hanging out of the ball he wants to be on a team you know he 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 wants to be but you know everyone's painted him with a broad brush so he gets to be on the land of misfit toys you know and and it's perfect what's interesting is and i missed this the first time through i'd forgotten i'd forgotten this so the way they get him is – so Amanda goes to play air hockey with him, and, and she, yeah. you see her score four or five times on him. You're like, okay, she's going to beat yeah. him. And then you find out that he wins, and Buttermaker is scolding her. I thought you were good. Oh, he, I was good, but he's just better, you know. So the, the one the one wrinkle is that he's she's got to go to the Rolling Stones concert right. with Kelly Leak. That, that, that's a funny thing. And, of course, Buttermaker's up in arms about this. Yeah, between that and when she mentioned being on the pill, and he goes, don't say that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might work today. You might be able to get that in a movie today. He, um, but, but you're right, yeah, going to the Stones concert. But that's not – yeah, she lost. He wasn't going to be on the team. It was yeah. uh, it was Roy Turner telling him to beat it and grabbing him by the arm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so he, he joined the team because – and he may, I, I, I forgot he makes a reference to it. Uh, that, that 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 somebody changes some some what did he say? He say? Does he call? Does he use? Change my mind. Is that what he, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So he does. So you see the the tension there between Roy Turner and Kelly Leak at the end, uh, and then now all of a sudden the bad news bears aren't so bad news anymore. They're doing all the right things in terms of baseball. They're all kind of come together as a team, um, uh, you know. Uh, and they're moving their way up the standings. Now, here's the one thing. Here's a little nitpicky thing. So if you watch the standings, it stays at 16 games the whole time. And you wonder if there's 12 teams in the league, or sorry, seven teams in the league, you play each team twice, which is kind of what they showed, it would be 12 games. That's a little bit of a nitpicky thing. Um, 
but the Yankees are 16 and 0 the first time they move the standings, and the second yeah. time they move the standings, they're also 16 and 0. And the Bears play them twice, so unless they're playing, you know, divisional schedule, which they wouldn't with seven teams, you'd play 12 games and not. But that, that's a that's a minor, you know, that's something. That so you're saying, the lady, you're saying the lady running the snack shack standings wasn't uh, a pro. Maybe yeah, maybe she was. Uh, yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't. She was a volunteer. Couldn't count very well. I'm sure right. she was a pro. The uh, cash box was off too. Uh, so now we are to the game against the Athletics, which is the winner plays the Yankees in the championship, and uh, Buttermaker tells Kelly League, "Hey, now now now, so it becomes different. So now we've seen Buttermaker's kind of transformation, but now as they get a little bit closer." It comes back to who, you know, kind of seeing things differently. He's like, wow, this is a way I can validate who I am if this team wins. So he's basically become Roy Turner at a much lower level, obviously. And he tells Kelly to cover for the rest of the team. Now, I figure that was never me. No coach ever told me to cover for anybody. But I'm guessing, Steve, that you in Nevada Little League probably were told to cover for many of your teammates. Uh, Oh, I was a little jerk, so I probably didn't need to be told. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I remember being that kid, in, you know, when I was 10 and, and hearing the footsteps of the, the center fielder who was good, you know, uh, come over and stuff like that. So I, um, I was, I, you know, listen, I, I was lucky when I was younger. I, I loved, I played baseball a lot. I was maybe better than your average 10 year old, but not so much that I wasn't also out there with shaky knees sometimes. So, but yeah, no, I mean, you play, I, you play, I mean, people, I mean, people don't know this. You played at a pretty, I mean, you played up till junior college, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I played the JC ball and, and, and that got hurt and wasn't that good. So that, you know, that those, that was the end of it for me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that I played with guys who were so much better than everyone else that they, you know, you're like, wow, this guy can do it all, you know? Um, or when you're a senior and you're playing fall ball with freshmen who just are basically just fresh out of eighth grade. And and I remember when I was in that position and I'm like, holy cow, look how good these guys are, you know, and you defer to them. So, yeah, I think we've all been in that situation, most of us on the, the non-Kelly league end. But you felt bad for Kelly. You know, he just wants to be part of the team. Yeah, that's when we really get the humanity in Kelly league. Up until then, he's kind of almost a caricature. He's this, you know, kind of superstar you know, stud guy rides a motorcycle, hits on all the girls and hits all the home runs. And now we finally see the crack in his armor, you know, and, and it comes, there's a fly ball to left field and there's Rudy Stein. And now he's Kelly's kind of made all the plays and he's, he pulls up yeah. and the ball falls in. Rudy doesn't make the play because he's looking at Kelly. And now yeah. all of a sudden we have a tie game. Yep. Yep. Did you ever notice though, in, in the movie, uh, you're a Seinfeld guy, you know, remember the episode with Donna Chang? Yeah. They always refer to it as Donna Chang. They always refer to it as Rudy Stein. <laughs> they never say Rudy. It's always Rudy Stein. Why did yeah, they always yeah, yeah. both on that? But yeah, he yeah. sits there with the ball, you know, and, and now Rudy's like, well, you know, what's the deal here? Well, you know, you were supposed to catch it. Uh, and yeah, no, 100%. And then Buttermaker chews out Kelly for, you know, when I give you an order type thing. And and then you see the rebellion come back out and and, and, uh, and you see exactly what what Kelly's well, they both they both, <laughs> they both revert. Yeah, they both kind of revert, right, to who they were yeah. at the beginning, you know. Right. You know, give me a, give me the bat and let me hit coach. You know, yeah, the little right. sarcastic punch with the coach, yeah. and then of course he hits it out, and they're they're in the championship. Yeah, yeah, and he won't shake coach's hand. Yeah, 
Yeah, the no handshake, uh, and then it goes back to Reggie Jackson. That was, that was before the Reggie Jackson no handshake home run, so maybe Reggie picked it up from uh, Kelly Leak. You know? it's, the, it's the 70s anti-hero, too. You know, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'm not going to play your game. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen. There is a great. You know, now that we're now we're, we're we're locked down for a few more weeks. There's a great. It's a three-part document. IFC did a three-part documentary about the films of the 70s called Decade Under the Influence. And there's so many great films made in the 70s because the paradigm completely changed. You know, after Star Wars, it all changed to the blockbuster mentality. But you know, like you said, there are all these little subtle subtle digs. I thought that. You were gonna the Seinfeld reference. There was a there was an actor, the White Sox coach, oh, was yeah. in a couple of Seinfeld episodes, and he was also the divorce attorney in Fletch. So, yes, he was, in, and he was in Spaceballs. There you go. Yeah, he was. Was he Dark Helmet? <laughs> no, no. Was no, he was the he was Colonel Sanders. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's funny who pops up in these movies, but um, so yeah, so now they're in the championship, and so. One of the seeds, again, we talked about, you know, the lens of a nine or 10 year old through the lens of like a 40 something. Um, the one that I, I think I hadn't seen the movie maybe in 10 years and I don't know how what the circumstance was. Somehow it came on TV a few years ago. And I remember the scene in. So there's a scene where so the they're going to play in the championship. And now Amanda comes to Buttermaker and says, hey, my mom's going to come to the game. And then afterwards. We're going to we'll go to dinner, maybe a movie, this, that and the other. And, you know, and she even kind of gives him a little bit of attitude. Hey, I'm paying. So you can't say no. And it really that kind of sets him off, you know, and that's the adult aspect that I didn't remember from when I was a kid. Um, and he just says, hey, you know, he's like, yeah, we'll just all go out as a team, you know, yeah. and then man, no no, no, no. Yeah. I was thinking you and me and and then he kind of unloads on her a little bit and he goes, hey, you know you shouldn't be with me. You know, you should be going to school, doing your ballet lessons and this, that, and the other. And, um, and he kind of spits, it is heavy, this is heavy stuff. You know, he says, Hey, I like to drink, my, I'm a bum. Yeah. She immediately responds to him. And then he's got to get out of this situation. He does not want to be in a vulnerable spot. And he unloads on her like, Hey, why do you think I waited two years to look you up? I wanted a company. Would I have, would I have, you know, waited two years? And, the, and it's like a poignant scene because she walks off and she's like, okay, I'm out of here. She walks off and then we cut to and we see her crying, you know, because it really yeah. hurt because she thought there was something real going on there. And there was, but he wasn't yeah. ready to really accept it. But I throw a beer in her face for crying out loud. I mean, that was yeah. tears and beer, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, if it all funnels back to at the end of the day, we are who we are, you know, I mean, the, the little league doesn't change it. It doesn't change that he's a functioning alcoholic who has bad relationships. You know, I mean, like it, it's, that's why I talk about the authenticity, you know, the functioning alcoholic can have great moments of, of kindness and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, there's also that caged animal or, you know, you're like you said, you're trapped in a corner. So, you know, I, I think it's, I mean, it's certainly a blow up, Hollywood style, you know what I mean? But, but it's also, there's authenticity too, because she's trying to get him into the same thing he's been running from. So it's, it is a big moment. And it also wakes him up. It's one of the things that starts chiseling back him back to, you know, the, the little more, uh, a little more perspective about what's going on. All right. So now we're to the championship game. Um, and, to me, you said it. You you said it, when we talked about it earlier. You said it was the per, you thought it was a perfect movie. I think of every sports movie that I've seen, 
that's that's fictional. That's not you know based on a real thing. It may be the best championship moment that we get in cinema when it comes to sports, particularly sports with kids. You know, because oh, yeah. nowadays nowadays everything is you know, Disney eyes, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, and just the the build up, the, I think the build up is so great too because they're playing the Yankees. Yeah. And. Uh, so the Yankees obviously beat him up earlier, and there was the other incident with Joey Turner and Tanner at the at the snack stand, which I found fascinating when I first watched it because you know growing up in New Jersey, we didn't have burritos at the at the snack stand. Uh, so I was like, oh, what's a burrito? Like that that that's so exotic and so interesting that you can get a burrito at the snack stand. Well, I grew up here in California, and all I can think of is. Boy, it only costs thirty cents because that's what he's. <laughs> how great is Tanner when he says, "You owe me thirty cents for that burrito." After he shoves it in his face. Uh, yeah. But again, that, that whole scene is super important uh, for Tanner and Timmy Lupus because it's the one he sees that he's been just crucifying poor Timmy Lupus. He puts himself in his shoes, and and someone stood up for Timmy Lupus, and he feels like he's part of the team now. It's a it, that's a. To me, in the in the whole functionality of the movie, how the kids are the focus, uh, the uh, to, or I shouldn't say the focus, but they're real characters. They're not just these little, uh, you know, you're the funny one, you're the fat one, you're the, you know, like they're real kids. Right. Like right. that is a really important scene. Yeah. How about the fat shaming too? That wouldn't that oh, wouldn't yeah. fly with Engelberg. I mean, he's in the now. What I like is Engelberg is a strong-willed character. He doesn't yeah. wilt at it, you know, but the little digs that are thrown at him by the sure. various members of the team and by Buttermaker, too. Yeah. Uh, yes, 100%. But they're also, and but it's also very authentic 10 to 12 year old kids. Yeah. Like, think back to your, I, I think back to some of the things I said as a kid, and I'm like, oh my God, I wish I had a time machine just to go kick my own ass. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. of course, of course. And, and so I think there is an authenticity to that that kids just don't. Air. If they can get the cut in, they're going to get the cut in. But you're right. When when Engelberg just says, everyone's always giving me crap about my food. Enough. Yeah. Enough. Well, I, and, and there's my thing is every every team had every league. There was an Engelberg in every league that I, that I, when, I, when I grew up playing, and they yeah. invariably either played pitcher or catcher. They were either a pitcher or they were a catcher. That was it. Yeah, yeah. That was that was it. And for I was you know, it's so funny you know. It, you know, you learn baseball and you think, you know, oh, well, for a long time, catchers, uh, were, they were the big guy. They weren't, you didn't have to be as mobile, you know, things like that. But when I was young, because I wasn't the biggest kid, I think I always thought it was because they were the only ones who fit into the gear. Remember how the gear was always way oversized yeah. for little kids? So it's yeah. like, well, put a kid who can maybe it'll protect in it. I, that's, yeah. I, that's how my little brain worked, you know? I, I didn't even know. I'm like, oh, yeah, the big kids are in the catcher's gear because they fit it yeah <laughs> that's good theory it's a strong theory yeah. Uh, yeah. so championship game starts out pretty normal uh the yankees get so now the the first inning we see amanda she gets kicked in the chest and the elbow at the plate so she's grabbing her elbow she talks about her you know they had the joke the joke about the little girl in a bra obviously earlier with uh, with buttermaker um uh so we see the Yankees, and that's and that to me is where I think the change begins in Buttermaker because he comes out there and he gets on Roy Turner, and Roy Turner says, "Hey, it's not a dirty play; it's playing clear and hard baseball." And that's yeah. where you kind of see where Turner is kind of a little bit off the reservation. It's the it's the it's the window into what's what's to come in the film. 
Yeah, no doubt. You yeah, no doubt. He's, you know, you're so blinded by your kids, the team winning that you, you're not necessarily thinking straight. And I play again, we talked about it earlier, but Vic Morrow does a great job, you know, to, to make that character. He's, he's not totally one dimensional. Like, like when we talk about, and we'll talk more about it, but when, when he's angry at his own kid and, and he, you know, he has the rules in his mind, you know, like, like you don't throw at the kids. He has like these hard, fast baseball things, you know, Oh, they called him safe. It's a clean play. Like he thinks he's doing the right thing and, and he can't get out of his, he can't step out of his own body and see that he's a, a just doing a real disservice to everyone. Yeah. That, you, you, mentioned, you touched on it earlier. That character is written but I'm guessing that is the one character in the film that's based on somebody real, because we we all saw that. No matter where we, you know, whether you played little league in Nevada, Ramsey, New Jersey, there was always that one coach who was just like that, and he got all his team, you know, team, you know, the guys who played on his team were all like that while they played for him, you know. And it was yeah. interesting how these nice normal kids that you went to school with, all of a sudden they got on that one team and they just became jerks overnight. And you're like, well, what, what's 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 the meeting here? I've known this guy since in kindergarten. I was that kid. When I found out, I, I got a phone call after tryouts that night. Hey, this is so-and-so. You've been drafted by this team. And the next day, I, I went to school. And I was, and they're like, what team are you on? And I'm like, oh, I'm on this team. And everyone goes, oh. Like, I had no idea. I didn't have older brothers. And, you know, like, <laughs> I didn't know. and everyone's like, oh, oh. And, like, honestly, there was, like, the stigma. But then when we got there, then we felt like, oh, I see why. You know, we run a, you know, when he says we run a highly competitive league here, you know, like that's kind of how we were too. It was like, you know, those teams, they don't know what they're doing. We're, we're, we're going to win. You know, it's like, so you buy a hook, line and sinker, you're 10, you know, you, you don't know any better. You think this is right. And after a while, I, you start realizing you're like, this is insanity. But the, the you know, that the Moro does a great job of that, that character of, of, that dad that's just taken it way too far. Maybe not a bad person, but this is just in our country. A lot of times, I think these days we there's people that have a we have, a lot of us we have a chip on our shoulder about what didn't go right in our life or what's not working out. And there are things that we really maybe kind of it manifests itself at. And I see it at Little League all the time where that that guy's taking that way too serious because of. Why, uh, why, I don't know. It's interesting because this movie came out 1976. It's written in 75, produced in 75, and it's post-Watergate. So it's a very different slant in the way sports movies are now versus then. And he is kind of, you know, uh, Roy Turner, played by Vic Morrow, he is kind of the iron fist of authority, you know. Although Cleveland is the one that runs the league, it's almost like she is one of Roy Turner's minions. And yeah. Roy Turner is the lead. It's, it's funny. You're going to laugh at me. It reminds me of the movie Nixon. And there's that scene in Nixon when he goes and he looks at the portrait of John F. Kennedy and says, you know, they look at you and they see who they want to be. They look at me and they see who they are. And it's kind yeah. of like Roy Turner is like, no, I'm going to make them look at me and they're going to want to be who I am and not who yeah. anybody else is. And you guys are all going to be, you know, and you can just see how, you know, we get to the, the opening scene, just show us everything. Buttermaker's drinking his beer and the Yankees are doing sit-ups and, and jumping yeah. jacks, you know. Right. Uh, and they have nice, clean uniforms sponsored by Denny's. And, you know, the the, the Bears are the ragtag bunch sponsored by the Bail Bondsman. You know, it's that, that contrast, the duality that exists throughout the film. 
that you know when you're nine years old again we're just you know we want to we want to hear tanner boyle curse but uh there's just there's a kind of a deep there's a deep underlying thematic uh you know uh, push to this movie, and you mentioned that uh, I think uh, what's uh, Ben Lancaster is Burt Lancaster's son who wrote yeah. the movie. Uh, does just a fantastic job in terms of putting the story together. Um, all right, enough of my acting. So Engelberg with the big clutch hit in the first inning to make it two to one in favor of the Bears. And uh, so uh, what are so let's talk about some baseball because we don't have any baseball to talk about. See couple of strategical things. So I want to talk about strategy here. So let's start with, with Buttermaker. Buttermaker, the first modern skipper to employ the shift, the cool Carl Koransky shift. Let's the cool, cool, cool Koransky shift. Yeah. <laughs> Dead he he, he pushed against Ted Williams. He knew about shifts. They used to pull it on <laughs> Ted Williams. So that's, you know, I think, yeah, he, he went back to the past, but he was also ahead of his time. Yeah. What – what I love about the other thing is in movies today, um, they t- when I, I was in film schools, so they talk about you can't have something just come out of nowhere like Deuce S. Mac. You can't just have the hand of God come in and change things. So I think the shift was the pre. So they, they have the shift. It's kind of a throwaway. You're like, okay, cool. Ha ha ha. And then when they play the Bears, you see Kelly Leak is intentionally. He's going to intentionally walk Kelly Leak every time he comes to the plate. So it's like yeah. Barry Bonds before Barry Bonds. Yeah. Roy Turner, the, the the twist is he's going to walk Kelly Leak. And then better maker, obviously, the one of the greatest lines in the movie is, this is baseball, Turner, not backgammon. I mean, right. Walter Matthau pulling backgammon out of his back pocket. I thought it was brilliant. That was good stuff, yeah. He, uh, he walked him with the bases loaded, right? I mean, that's uh, there was always that kid, though. There was always that kid in Little League that you're like, oh, God, that's the guy who's going to do it. So, But, again, it, it's just also, why are you managing? It's Little League. <laughs> Keep them batting in order. That's all your job is. Keep them batting in <laughs> order. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's a little, you know, I wonder also, it's like my, I, my friend's dad, uh, years ago, we were at his, his wedding. And he made the comment, and I, you know, me and this guy had been friends since we're, you know, second or third grade. He's like, I, I always marveled at you guys reading the, like, we were nine or ten, like reading the box scores, you know. Yeah. He, he was a big math guy. He, he'd, he'd been very accomplished in the field of mathematics and science and whatnot. Like, yeah, I just marveled. Like, you guys were like so young. I never understood like that you guys could really get something like that, you know. And I mean, you grew up a baseball fan like I, and it's just like it's almost like second nature. You know, like you kind of once you figure it out, it's a real easy way. And this is before every game's on TV and you, you could go to the Internet and download everything. If you missed the game, you had to go to bed before the game. You needed to see the box score to see how everybody did. You know, right. open the paper. I mean, and that, you know, telling how old I am. But, you know, even in high school, we'd get the newspaper and, and I was in journalism class. So I would walk up to the class first, get the newspaper, bring it down. And first thing I opened to was the box scores that day to see how Harold Baines did. And <laughs> yeah, and that was you know, and, and then you hand it to the next guy, and he looks at you know, they first he looks at whatever game he cared about, and then you just read them all, and you know, it was that's that's how you kept up with it, and so yeah, the, it's you know, it's the uh, the DNA of the game. Uh, we had in, in, in our high school library, we used to get USA Today, and remember, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, USA Today had would have the stats. I think the National League stats were on Tuesday. The American League stats yeah. were on Wednesday. Right. There was a kid in my school, in my class, actually. He was a Red Sox and an Expos fan. This is back when the Expos still existed, right? Sure. So 
if I went and got the USA Today, because I think I had library second period. I got the library second. I had a study hall second period. I go to the library, and I'd always know if he had it before I did because he would make marks on the Red Sox and the Expos. I always knew his name was Char- I always knew if Charlie was there, if there was the Red Sox and the Expos were marks. So it's a real weird, you know. I mean, I just I just clicked in talking about the box scores here. Um, so now we get to the point in the film where. Uh, Engelberg is up again, yeah, and it's it's still the game's still hotly contested, and <laughs> I love that you tracked the man. That's so great. So Roy Turner, go, Joey Turner's pitching, and he's kind of been the among the kids. He's the heavy, you know, because uh, he was the one who had the fight with Tanner, and he's going to pitch to Engelberg, and Roy Turner's not going to want to pitch to Engelberg, and he's heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, I. I remember, you know, being a kid and feeling exactly that way. I remember I was in a, a, a senior, you know, senior league when you're 15 or whatever um, game, and our town had an incredibly good athlete, uh, and and my and you know, open base at first, and he came out to tell me to walk him, and I was like, uh, "What are you talking about? You know, like this is crazy." Like, first off, I got to go to school in two days after this game. You think, you know, like, so, you know, like, the kid just wants to compete, you know? That's kind of what we were talking about earlier. So, like, that kid, that, it's a very human moment, you know? And, uh, and, and it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to think, like, an intentional walk in Little League. It just seems bananas to me. Uh, and, and I know there's people out there that'll be like, no, you got to teach them the game. And it's like, no, you got to drive into the game. Yeah, but again, so that's not an intention. So they've already walked Kelly Leak with the bases empty. There's not that. So he just says low, you know, low and outside. Yeah, he's going to pitch around. Yeah, pitch around him. So, uh, of course, he doesn't. He throws one high and in. Yeah. And then second mound visit where he doesn't come back. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> You know, this is kind of where the movie kind of not. Unra- I mean, the the story unravels for the Yankees a little bit, but uh, I think this is where Good Buttermaker finally kind of snaps to attention. Uh, you know, but everyone does. Everyone right. is all all the parents, the PA announcer. You know, they all are like, "Whoa, we've uh, we've gone way too far." You know, and and so you know, you know, he starts calling out the subs to the to the official score and they're just like not even making eye contact. They're like, you know, you just hit your kid in front of everyone. Right. Right. And he, yeah, that's a, that's a great, you know, that's, I missed that. That's a great point. He goes along like there's nothing else. So he slaps Joey and so yeah. ensuing ensuing. So he, uh, Engelberg hits one back to the box and Brandon Cruz as Joey Turner, he's just throwing the ball into the glove. He's just yeah. waiting. And then they're running at the bait. The bears are going around the bases. I think Engelberg ends up on second. They score a run, they tie the game. And then he just drop. It's a mic. The first mic drop in, in cinematic history. Yeah. Uh, not mic <laughs> drop. He just drops, drops the ball on the mound and walks away from his father. And, um, uh, then just, you know, yeah, Jill, we've seen her early. She's the first person that Buttermaker meets on yeah. the field. It's Jill Turner. And, uh, so she, him, the mom takes him away. And that's it. And the Joey Turner is gone, and Roy's left. And yeah, that's that was the other weird thing. It's like, wow, he did. He he went to the press box to give them the substitutions. That was yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, gave him the subs, and they are all like, yeah, 
Thanks, fella. So yeah. it's it's where it's finally reached its breaking point. That is, you know, the the tension crescendo, and yeah, an adult snaps on a kid under so, under the under the under the the disguise of I'm trying to treat baseball right. Like he could have killed that kid. He says, you know, right, and, right, right. He's trying to be like, no, this is how baseball is played. You don't you don't do that. And it's like, you know. I'm going to show you you don't hit by hitting. Right, right. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, there's so many, now that you bring it up, there's so many layers to it. Obviously, you're a parent now, so you kind of see that entirely differently, um, you know, from when you weren't a parent to when you're a parent. You kind of see that whole, you know, I think most normal people can see it, but I know uh, as a parent, you definitely see a difference in it with regard to, you know, your, you know, your own kid in public to do that in front of all those people and all those people who are your friends who you've known for many, many years. It's really, it's really interesting that he just kind of lost it. I mean, Roy Turner kind of loses it in that, in that moment. And he, he plays it beautifully, by the way, Vic Morrow just plays it brilliantly. Uh, that last part of it. Uh, so let's get to the part. Now you mentioned, you mentioned it already. So then he's going to put Ogilvy, Jose, Miguel and Lupus all into the game. Yeah. And Lupus, Lupus tries to talk him out of it. Yeah. Hey, he says, uh, if you want to win, don't put me in. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's now it's back to kind of what it's supposed to be when you coach kids. He says, you know, you, you weren't put on this earth to sit on the bench, you know. Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, the full circle thing comes around. Um, and it's no longer about getting paid to coach some kids. It's that he's just like, let's let's have some kids play some baseball. It's that simple. Yeah. And that sets up beautiful sets up beautifully when he removes Amanda from the game. She can't pitch anymore. You know, Toby's there on the on the bench. Hey, she's really hurt now. We've seen her elbow get kicked in the first inning and her chest get kicked. And so she's gone about as far as she can go. And he's gonna go take her out. And so this is kind of the first, you know, uh the 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 thawing of the frost after the big blow up right before the championship game with him and Amanda. And so the the twist is she's got to stay in the game because the subs are all out. So yeah. she's got to go out and play left field. And they bring Rudy Stein. Rudy Stein comes in <laughs> to, to, to pitch against the Yankees. Yeah, Rudy Stein. And uh, it doesn't go great <laughs> for Rudy Stein. But, you know, that that's the – if you go to any kid's baseball game ever when we start playing them again, when the kid comes out of left field to pitch, you, you know – you know that dinner's going to be late. Uh, so all of a sudden, the Yankees have this big rally. They put five or six runs on the board. I think it's seven to three. Fly, deep fly ball to the right field. Timmy Lupus makes the big catch. What a great moment that is in the one. It is a it's it's shot wonderfully. The the kid gives the expression that is so authentic and great. Uh, I. I don't know if you remember. I remember a fly ball hit to me that, I mean, I swear it left the atmosphere uh, when I was nine years old, you know, or eight years old, nine years old. And I'm out right field and that ball came down into my glove and that feeling, it, I, I still have it with me. You know, there's, there's, I mean, mathematically, I think it was an accident that it ended up in my glove, but I caught it, you know, and I still remember that feeling distinctly today. And so when I see Timmy Lupus catch that ball, I, I, I have such a, uh, a feeling, uh, such a connection to him on that one. When I was my first year, I played little, played little league. I played mostly second base. And then the second year, the coach had this great idea to move me to the, out, to the outfield. And I was insulted. 
You know, I'm like, wait a minute. I was playing the infield last year. So anyway, first game of the year, the screamer, I'm playing center field, screamer in the left center. And I think it might have been hit right at me, but I'm going to make it like I'm Ken Griffey. So I'm moving. Yeah. I take about three steps to my left and make the catch. And I hear the oohs and ahs from the crowd. Not because I made a great catch, because they're used to every ball being hit into the outfield going to the gap. That's really all it is, you know? So, uh I mean, I don't know if that was a, quite a Timmy Lupus moment, but um, what a great moment for him. And we set, you know, again, beautifully set up by the fact that in that first game that Amanda pitches, it's his error that loses the game for them. And now he makes the big play. And now they're going to get to bat. And then well, and all the kids know. jump up and, and celebrate with him. You know, yeah. he's, well, yeah. you know, he's no longer the outcast. Uh, and then now we get to see Ogilvy hit, you know. Yes. And uh, uh, it's it's he's got a nice little repartee with the catcher. Catcher's heckling him a little bit. He's yeah. hanging in there. And just uh, after a couple of balls, the catcher says, hey, just lay it in there. He ain't swinging. And what yeah. does Ogilvy do? He swings and fouls it off, you know, yeah. which is a big victory for Ogilvy because he's told Buttermaker that he's zero for 14 on the season. Yeah, and he says, aside from Timmy Lupus, I'm probably the worst player in this league. <laughs> he's He's got the perspective, but. No, but he, he got a piece of it. I think they even say that. You got a piece of it, you know, and he ends up getting a walk. But, you know, it's he's up there. He's trying and he, he got put in the position. And it's just when you're, you know, when we were kids, I think they said you have to play two innings and stuff like that. And and you don't realize sometimes if you're not the kid who's not only playing two innings, the pressure and the the fear that the kids who are have when they are in that spotlight. And so the Ogilvy, it's just awesome. And again, it's about Ogilvy. He's, he's got some courage. You see it early, you see it late. He's just great, you know, and we haven't even talked about uh, uh, Ahmad and his, the butt. <laughs> how, he, how he psychs him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's that's a great character too. Uh, you know, uh, when we were when I was trying to get you to do this, we were joking on Twitter, and we were talking about the forty-two errors. Yeah. Uh, after the first game, Ahmad runs up into the uh, into the trees and takes his uniform off, and uh, that's yeah. a whole other thing. And that's yeah, that's another layer to it because you played with them, I played with them. You know, the kids whose brothers and sisters were all really good athletes, and they weren't. You know, yeah. and that, that's a real thing. And, you know, and it works a lot of different ways. You know, their kids were really good in school and then their brothers, sisters really aren't. And it's really unfair. You know, it's kind of the Joe Buck dilemma, right? Do you, yeah. do you chastise Joe Buck because his dad was a Hall of Fame announcer because he's not as good as his dad? Is it fair to judge him against his father? Is it, you know, how does that work? Because I thought that was an interesting wrinkle that, again, something I didn't really notice until well after I'd seen it the first time. He He's there for a, a lot of different He's a he's a lightning rod in a lot of different ways. Race, uh, religion, if you think about it, you know, I mean, he's he's very much uh, different than the toe headed white kids. But he's part of the team, you know, yeah. and he's going through the same thing the kids are the other kids are going through. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but, I, you know, to me that we talked there's little scenes in that movie, you know, early on where they're hitting the ball around the horn and he bunts, you know, Buttermaker bunts to get Engelbert that, you know, and these, co these coaching moments. But I always found his relationship with Ahmad in, in that moment where he's in the tree where he's, you know, that's understanding talent. He's like, you know, he tells him you're very fast, you know, like he's trying, he's building this kid up. Like that's, yeah. that's the best coaching for little leaguers right there. 
I like that. To me, that is like that means a oh, buttermaker knows the game kind of thing. Yeah, he's BSing the kid, but he's also not. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, listen. Growing up with the, the name, my name, of, of course, Abdullah Ahmad Rahim was my favorite character on Batman Spears. Of course, growing up the whole time. All right, so now the bases are now. The, here's the other thing. I think that I always wondered about the batting order integrity because. It was supposed to be, I think, Rudy Stein, Engelberg, and then Kelly Leak. But now all of a sudden, Ahmad's Ahmad. Oh, I guess they were pinch hitters, so it didn't really matter. So now Kelly Leak comes to the plate with the bases loaded. So he's the tying run at home plate, and they're going to walk him. So, and then of course there's the other repartee between, you know, between uh, Roy Turner and Mars and Buttermaker. And now, see, this is you mentioned. This is great, a great segue. So you mentioned, hey, we we learned that Buttermaker could actually coach up in the tree with Ahmad when he tells him, hey, Hank Aaron's your favorite player. He made 42 errors his first year in Sandlot Ball, and you know you're you're going to be you know like so. And then it just shows you like with baseball, you know, Henry Aaron, Mickey Mantle, Catfish Hunter are the references, you yeah. know, in a script written in 1975, you know. Right. Uh, uh, <clears throat> So now here's the here's the here's the managing right. So Roy Turner is his hard ass strict strategy guy, and now here's Buttermaker. Hey Kelly, break the rules, you know. Yeah, and so this right. is obviously, yeah, I, I'm guessing he watched the World Series where they're pitching the A's are pitching the bench right in '72. Yeah. A's are pitching the bench. They're gonna walk him, and then all of a sudden they're not walking him. You know. <laughs> so this is kind of the opposite where he says, hey, you can, if you can get it, hit it, and yeah. of course he does. Indeed, he does, uh, and and that sets up, uh, I think, a very uh, another authentic moment where you get so close, but you only get so close. I mean, and that that, that final the final rush with with Kelly Leak is shot so beautifully because yeah. we see the ball. You know, it's like, and you and I both do baseball play by play, and I always talk about this, and I forget who who I got it from because it wasn't it might have been Bob Prince. I, I was listening to an interview with Bob Prince, and he's talking about stacking. He's like, calling baseball is all about stacking because multiple things are happening. And he, the, the fly balls, and I, I call fly balls off this video I saw on YouTube from Bob Prince. He's like, you got to tell him that you've hit it. You got to tell him the batter's hit it. You got to tell him it's in the air. You got to tell him where it is in the air. Who's the one who's closest to the who's the fielder closest to the ball, and then what's the fielder doing in relation to the to the fence? And like he was talking about home run calls, you know. So it's you know you know here's Went right-handed swinger. Here's the fastball in the air right field. You know that goes Clemente. You know to the track to the wall. You know that's how Bob Prince would call his home run. So they set it up in that way where you see the swing, you see the ball. You see Buttermaker's reaction. You see Turner's reaction. You see the ball go to the fence, and then all of a sudden, now as they the old you know cliche hilarity ensues because now everybody's coming home, and uh, they're going to tie the game. Yeah, well, and, and then he, they did do a great job, but it also does have that uh, uh, almost uh, yard sale feel of a of a little league uh, with the bases loaded. You know, I mean, there's so much mayhem happening. Uh, so yeah, they do a great job with that to, uh, you know, when you're watching a big league game and the bases are loaded, there's a, an order to it, <laughs> you know, you're thinking, yeah. okay, so cut it off in second, <laughs> you know, like, but with little league, oh man, that the, someone's got the uh, tilt a whirl on high speed. Well, and that, and that also goes back to, and I, I don't know, maybe this might've been just coincidental, but the Yankees are the best drilled teams in the league. 
Yeah. So if anybody's going to be able to execute a relay up to, to the plate, it's going to be the Yankees. And they do. They just they just get Kelly Leak. So give me your thoughts on and because this is one of the first sports movies I think I ever watched. Maybe yeah. break this and this or breaking away. Um, the Bears losing. Yeah. And I think it's just it's a generational thing. You know, I'm a little older than you, but we both kind of grew up that seminal sports movie. The team we're rooting for loses, you know, and right. most sports movies don't end that way. No, uh, but but if you think about it, some of the great ones do. And, and you think, you know, Rocky, you know, I, I always come back to Rocky, you know, I mean, with with Rocky, it, you know, and it was of the same era, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's that seven you talked about after Watergate and, you know, you had the fuel crisis, all this stuff, like the anti-hero stuff where, you know, you, you don't always win. But that's yeah. humanity. And it fits in, in boxing and in baseball. I think it fits so well because there's so much losing in those. And, and you know, when and in boxing, you know, everyone can relate to being knocked down, you know. And so uh, most I think most kids, Little League memories are about the, the game they lost, you know? I mean, I think about the city championship when I was a kid and we lost it and I was heartbroken, you know? Um, or, you know, uh, I, you know, I talked to, uh, you know, we both do college basketball and I ran into Tracy Murray at UCLA and, and I told him that, you know, I saw his state championship game where he went ballistic for 50 and, but they lost, you know, and he's, he's yeah. so mad about that game. He's still so mad about that game. So I think that, a lot of our little league memories are about the game that we didn't win. Well, basically, you know, people talk talk about it openly now. You know, I, I've had the opportunity to work with Troy Percival working at UC Riverside. And he talks about how it's a game of fa- how you learn through failure, how he yeah. learned through failure, how he was using yeah. AAA and his ERA was 12. Yeah. And he said, well, I'm either going to the big leagues or I'm going home. You know, yeah, he said, okay. just like, just learn. Yeah, and he was a closer, so there's no hiding behind that one. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. is that. That's pass or fail. And so, um, I don't know. I, I I thought I thought it added to the authenticity of the movie, where it's you know. Then they made the ensuing ones where they win, just like they made the ensuing Rockies where they win and cash in. But you know, there that was authentic. And, but the kids are still they're still the same kids at the end. They're still yeah. they lost, but they still got the chip on their shoulder. It's it's you bring up Rocky. That's a great parallel you bring up because the theme of Rocky is about him going the distance, you know. Yeah. And, and the same thing. I mean, it's like they they were going to disband the team, and now they got to that final game, and it goes back to a scene where Roy Turner thinks the Bears are done. He's like, oh, I thought White would call the quiz, and yeah. ben, and and Buttermaker says he did, but we didn't. You know, right. and he puts the schedule out, and he says, well, this this schedule says the last day of the season, June nineteenth. Uh, the best team is going to play the second best team. I'm guessing your team will be one of them, and we plan to be there too. That's yeah. another, you know, uh, said, we plan on in the future. There. Wouldn't it be fun if you were there too? I think he said, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Call the shot. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, I mean, the Yankees win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that kind of almost summed it up too. It's like, well, yeah, you know what? In the end, the Yankees do win, but that doesn't mean you don't try to take your best shot at them um, and that they're not miserable. Like, you know, at the end of the, yeah, you won the little league trophy. Congratulations. But look at us. 
you know, we're badasses. We're having fun. We're yeah. drinking beer on a little league field now. Well, there you <laughs> go. Right? Yeah. 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 So they're all drinking beer and then they, they go out for the, uh, for the post game cheer, which was, you know, that, that talk about an American staple. I mean, everybody, everybody knew, knew that one. And, yeah. uh, the Bears didn't want to accept uh, the. I mean, you know, again, it's it's the real versus. You know, it's like, hey, we won, we won. You know, we got let, let's let's do this cheer. And the Bears don't want any part of it, which I, I thought was great. Uh, this is a great twist in the movie. Well, he gives them a backhanded compliment about, you know, we still don't think you're any good and anything like that. And now Timmy Lupus is a he's he's basically Timmy Lupus becomes Kelly Leak, where he's just right. <laughs> Tanner. He tells you to go take a crap in your hat yeah. basically and it's yeah. awesome i love it you know yeah. and then it pans yeah. back then it pans back to the american flag like here we go this is who we are yeah and then lupus wait, wait till next year you know yeah just wait till next year yeah exactly yeah. checks the trophy out so, so yeah i wonder if any of them fall from coming back but it's it's just a great it's a great end of the movie it's, it's a fit more like you were saying it's an authentic and fitting end of the to the movie and everybody goes home satisfied because it's not every problem didn't get solved, but enough of the problems that get solved. Great moment between Buttermaker and Amanda at the end of the game, where it's almost like it's father and daughter at the end of that game. Yeah, but nothing's changed. It's almost like a Coen Brothers movie where there's there's something weird happens at the, the end and all this wackiness comes for two hours. And at the end, nothing there's no Nothing's been solved, you know. It's, there's there's no neat bow that's been tied up, and and that's you know that's what I love about Bad News Bears is that okay, so tomorrow they go back to school, but the kids that what I love about it is that the kids that were the misfits have a little swagger now. Tanner won't have to fight the seventh grade. He'll always fight the seventh grade. He will always fight the nope. entire seventh grade. <laughs> That's what I do. You, you and I are on the same level when Amir, because I know Amir a little bit from when he was at CSUN. Amir Garrett is with the Reds. He oh, got yeah. into that big brawl with the Pirates. And the I think we I both tweeted it. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner Boyle taking on the It was Tanner. Yeah, he was Tanner Boyle. He got in a fight with the entire seventh grade. But now he's got <laughs> Kelly Lee. Now, now that Kelly Lee's got his back, I think, yeah, he'll probably walk the, the halls a little, uh, a little safer. There you go. Steve, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of weird not doing anything, not having games to call, but uh, we will hopefully, you know, you'll hopefully get a chance this, this, uh, this summer. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about everyone in, in our boat and obviously there are people that are way worse off than what we're dealing with uh, health wise and, and all the medical workers and the people working at grocery stores and stuff like that. But, you know, I think that you and I, we always, people always refer to it as the, the toy department. Uh, but what we do provides, uh, it doesn't provide it, but it's, it's a signal of normalcy. So hopefully we're back to, to work uh, soon enough because that means there's some normalcy again. All right, sir. Best of the family, hang in there. And I uh, yep. appreciate you jumping on, doing this. Steve Went joining us. Bad News Bears. A great movie. Great to chat with you. And, uh, 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 happy uh, Happy March 23rd, man. I'm, I'm I'm bummed that I missed you. I'm bummed I missed you at Anaheim, in Anaheim. You know, Honda, uh, Big West tournament is always a great way to reconnect with people, and I'm sorry I missed that. But we all we all kind of missed that this year. Well, we'll just have to savor it the next time. March of 2021, hopefully. All right, sir. Thank you. Thanks.